the August 16th, 2019 edition of Weekly Signals Meltdown, a reconfiguration of the last 168 hours of history broadcasting from Studio A at KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Caspar. And as always, the newest New Age guru, Mahler, the fake news dog. Ah, in good voice. Sounds fantastic yeah. today, Mahler. Coming up. Yeah. Snow droughts. Yes. Plastic rain. The banana crisis. And more. But first, when was the last time you had your ears examined, Mike? You ever go in there to no, a No, I can't. Well, every once in a while during a physical, they will they'll look in your ear uh, to see how much how much wax has anyway. been built up. Yeah, wax. that that little light thing with a little yeah. it looks like a funnel. That's a just at your funnel. GP though, right? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I you haven't don't had, go to a I ear. haven't had an ear test since I was drafted. <laughs> <laughs> that's how long ago it was. Okay, so yeah. <laughs> that's a, uh, how about you? Have you ever had your ears tested? I mean, recently? Uh, no, not recently. Not recently. Uh-uh. No, not recently. Because, I, I mean, you either hear or you don't hear. You right. Know what I'm saying? Right, yeah. I mean, there you go. And I, and I hear it like this really high-pitched <laughs> frequency all the time. Okay. But, you know, yeah, what the... that was a combination of sitting next to the speakers at Monterey yeah. and jets. And jets. At Orange County Airport. That was the killer for me. Flying over your house or just... No, you no. Work... I was at the old airport outside. Yeah. Remember, they used to just stick you in the airplanes when you're outside. They oh, just that's put right. Down, they didn't yeah. have any terminal to speak of. That's right. It was just a barn out there. Yes. Oh, and yeah. a jet turned around and its engines were pointed right at me. Yeah, yeah, and just, yeah, that was the worst. Wow. Yeah. yeah that's amazing. Yeah, I'd have sued John Wayne. <laughs> Using genetic tools in mice, researchers say they have identified a pair of proteins that precisely control when sound-detecting hair cells are born in the mammalian ear. The mammalian ear, you know. That's what, us. You know, that's us, yeah. And, you, of course, you, and you too, Mahler. Yeah, you're a mammalian. The proteins may hold a key to future therapies to restore hearing in people with irreversible deafness. That's amazing. That's, yeah. That's my, my father, who wears hearing aids, would right. basically be almost deaf without them. Yeah. And well, he, yeah, he, yeah. he barely can hear. They just amplify them. things now. They right. don't regenerate anything. And he, his happened in the military. They were uh, shooting off artillery oh, range, and yeah. he was on there for three days, and... And at that time, you never complained about that kind of stuff, and it uh, it had ir- irreversible yeah. damage to his wow. so. An estimated 90% of genetic hearing loss is caused by problems with hair cells. You know, they just kind of lay down. That's, you know, they, they're not doing they their little vibration their little anymore. Vibration. They're not yeah, yeah. doing that. And the little tiny ones, the high-pitched ones, go first. That's why I'm hearing high-pitched sounds all the time. Mm-hmm. Listen, do you hear that? Deafness due to exposure to loud noises or certain viral infections arises from hair cell damage. Unlike other mammals and birds, human hair cells don't regenerate. I guess, you know, Mahler is, you know, yeah, that's you, Mahler. Yeah. I guess he can regenerate. I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, In nature, we knew that the two proteins, Activin A and Follistatin, 
work in opposite ways to regulate cells. Based on the findings, the two proteins perform a balancing act on precursor cells to control the formation of hair cells along the cochlear spiral. Wow. The old cochlear spiral. Yeah. 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 Here's uh, something uh, a little bit interesting uh, that Mahler might pay attention to. Anatoxin A, an algae toxin known for killing animals within 20 to 30 minutes of exposure. That's quick. Yes. Has been detected in several lakes and rivers across California. Dogs would have to ingest a large amount of the toxin, between 100 and 200 micrograms per liter, in other words, the mix, for them to die from it. And I guess that's a high level. What they found around here is about maybe 20 as opposed to 100, you know, the lethal dose. But anyway, anytime you've got an algal bloom, it could be lethal eventually. Wow. You know, wow. you're, they're measuring yeah. it now, but it can just blossom up quick. Yeah. Out of more than 30 bodies of water where dangerous algae toxins have been detected this year, anatoxin has been found in at least two rivers and five lakes, including Lake Shasta in Northern California and Lake Elsinore in Riverside County, right over here. Yes. Anatoxin is a potent neurotoxin that can cause convulsions and respiratory failure in animals. So, Mahler, look well, out. Well, well listen, I, I'm, I'm no scientist, but I play one on, on radio, and that uh -huh. I would think at some levels this would begin to affect human beings as well. Yeah. Yeah, it can be, it would affect us, but I don't think it's no. lethal unless, lethal. you know, I mean, you right. have to start no, chugging it. I understand yeah. what I'm saying. It's not good yeah. for anybody. It is dangerous to us, but dogs are more prone to toxin poisoning because they gulp more water while swimming and licking their fur. Yeah, that's his, their second favorite thing to lick is yeah. their fur. Yeah, yeah. So be careful with your doggies. Okay. You know, Mike, they're they're upgrading that uh, Shake LA app. Remember that? The, yes. The earthquake yes, app. Yes. I was yeah. around for the beta testing of that, by the wow. way. Yes, I was, in, I was involved. Yeah. I was in the same room. When, the <laughs> when what? I was in the same room. I'm trying to claim credit. Is, never mind. Who, okay. Does somebody else say that? Well, yes. Who? In politics, everyone says that. Say that? They say if that? they were in the room when something happened mm -hmm. that eventually becomes something good, yeah. everyone who was in the room will claim that they They say, to. I was in the same room. Yeah. That's, well, no, they don't say that. What do they, they no, say? they just say I was responsible. I was there. For I was responsible. That's oh. just a political. So you're making fun. I am. I'm. Of, I am of something. I'm that, mocking people who, because yeah. that happens a lot in Hollywood as well, right? Oh yeah, I was. Yeah, Star Wars. Yeah, I was. That was my idea. Really? Okay. Let's move on. Uh, anyway, the Shake Alert LA app. You mm -hmm. can download it. Yes. It only supposedly broadcasts for LA shaking. But I think it broadcast to all phones. I got it. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. It didn't shake during the Ridgeline quake. Yes. But there were but protocols. This because it wasn't shaking enough. Exactly. That's the excuse they used. Yeah. But now it's going to alert you when there's weak shaking, uh, the way it felt in L.A. with the, with the Ridgeline quake. So um, it would have gone off during that particular quake, even though, you remember how it felt here? That yeah. was generally the way it felt in Yeah, LA. it was a little wavy, and yeah. yes, that's right. Scientists have been uh, searching for clues that would signal an impending earthquake for decades. 
Teams have analyzed electromagnetic activity, weather patterns, and even Mahler. His, his stomach rumbles. <laughs> they, 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 can they, be, if, uh, they get a re- readout at JPL yeah, with his. Yeah, yeah, with yeah. His, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah, but the only possible precursors that stand out are foreshocks, earthquake foreshocks, tiny little shakes that come before the main event. Mm hmm. Now, using a method known as quake template matching, scientists have found tiny seismic events hidden in the data. Oh. So they have all this data stored up. Now they're going back through, and they can find these little quivers. They pinpointed 1.81 million. That's almost 2 million earthquakes that shook California between 2018 and 2017, all the way down to 0.3 magnitude. Wow. That's good science. That expanded our earthquake catalog by a factor of 10. Yeah. That's a lot. A lot of data they have now. But the four shocks change with each quake. So they're still trying to get a good model going. But at least they have all this data. Yeah. So we're a little bit closer to being able to forecast an earthquake. Right. Which has its disadvantages. But nonetheless, it's better to know than to not know. You could make the argument that it... If you were forecasting a 6.5 earthquake, that might send people scrambling. This is exactly the kind of science that the Trump administration seems hell-bent on stopping. They're cutting back on all kinds of research. Climate-related, geological-related, you name it. The Trump administration seems truly hell-bent on limiting what we're going to find out about. Science doesn't make them any money. Thank you. They only make money off of screwing other people. (laughs) If this news rattles you, may I recommend a donation to KUCI because you're listening. Just go to KUCI.org. Your generous donation is how we stay on air. Commercial free, free form, free speech radio at 88.9 FM, KUCI.org. Snow droughts. We got snow droughts coming. We do. They're going to be happening here in the American West, all over. In other words, we ain't going to be getting snow. That's right. By the middle of the century, two or more bad snow years in a row in the mountains from Colorado to California will likely be the norm. Yep, yep. Two in a row. And that's bad news. One bad snow year can wreck havoc on water systems across the western U.S. Now scientists have found that back-to-back bad snow years are likely to become much more frequent in the not-too-distant future. Currently, there's about a 7% chance that snowy areas in the western U.S. will get two really bad snow years in a row. 7%. Years with snowpack lower than a quarter of the long-term average. But within a few decades... If climate change continues at the current rate, what's that anyway, climate change? It's Have you heard about that? <laughs> hmm. Now, have scientists said anything about climate change? I'm not really... Huh. You know. Who cares, really? I mean... Yeah, who cares, who cares about cares? scientists? They're just a bunch of nutbags. Why would yeah. we care what they think? Wow. Anyway, if it, this climate change thing, whatever it is, continues at the current rate, those two-year snow droughts could occur about 40% of the time. Yeah, that's... That's a lot. That's a frightening idea. That has impacts on so many different things we care about, like water, wildlife, forest health, winter recreation, and even reflection. Not thinking about things, you know. (laughs) Not sitting there and going, hmm, 
<laughs> I wonder what Mahler's doing right now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's right, Mahler. He's doing his favorite thing. Bright snow yeah. keeps mountains cool and reflective. Yes. Glinting away the sun's incoming rays and keeping the whole region cool. And also making it less climate changeable. Exactly. The, the reflection of the snow of the ice reflects the sunlight back. And therefore, the earth does not absorb the heat, which yeah. is a good thing for us that it doesn't happen, that, that the earth isn't absorbing all of the sun's yeah. heat. Because that then warms up the planet, which makes climate crisis much more relevant. Oh, that's what it is, climate crisis. It's a climate crisis, yes. Snowpack melts slowly through the spring and early summer, storing invaluable water high in the mountains until it's needed later in the year. Snow melt in the spring and summer also feeds forests, keeping soils moist and protects against wildfires, too. Yes, it does. And wildlife depends on snow because they burrow down into it sometimes to keep themselves hidden. Hidden from predators. And fish like to just kind of bask. They chill in the water. (laughs) They do, and it's good for them. I'm making fun of of what they do, but all this stuff is necessary for their survival, or at least as it exists today. In California, by the second extra dry winter of that, remember, 2012 and 2016 drought? Yes. The water drought? Yes. Water resources in the state had been whittled down so much that then-Governor Brown declared a statewide drought emergency. That's right. And this was just because we didn't have the snowpack. It's always so important. In the winter, no matter how hot it is in the summer, you always just hope that Northern California gets a good snowpack. So at least we have that in reserve here. Right. The Lake Powell... And there are pictures, I don't know if anyone out there remembers these photos of the sort of the before and after photos oh, of yeah. Lake Powell. And it was a tremendous drop. And I mean, it's incredible. I can tell you from my time at L.A. County Public Works that the water behind the dam system, all the dams in the L.A. County area, which are critical to uh, survival of L.A. County in terms of water resources, were at the lowest level they've ever measured. Yeah, it was spooky looking. You saw these little piers going out into the lake in the before shot and there were boats all around in the after shot you just saw the piers going down into the ground there was no water around them the boats were no longer there and the water seemed to have receded about 100 yards or more it was frightening it really was it's raining plastic in the rockies oh jeez Rainwater samples collected across Colorado and analyzed under a microscope contained a rainbow of plastic fibers, as well as beads and shards. That sounds like a surfer word, doesn't it? I really was sharding the waves today. Yeah. I don't know about that. Uh, that wasn't convincing enough. Uh, really or it's a Poly Shore word, maybe, huh? You're such a shard head. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I like that. Uh, shard head. Uh, The plastic pieces are consistent with another recent study that found microplastics in the Pyrenees, suggesting plastic particles could travel with the wind for hundreds, if not thousands, of miles. Other studies have turned up microplastics in the deepest reaches of the oceans. Yes. In UK lakes, the United Kingdom, lakes and rivers in the UK, and in the US groundwater. Yes. Here in our groundwater. Yes. Plastic. And let's not forget that plastic is made out of very toxic material. Lots and lots of PCBs. I thought this was a a positive story here. No, this is not cornmeal. Oh. This is not cornmeal plastic. This is PCB plastic. This is petroleum. Better living through chemicals is what we... Uh Yeah. And you will soon find out because if this is where 
Nathan just identified it as being in the upper regions of the highest peaks in the world and in the depths of the oceans yeah. where the plankton are feeding off of it, which is the beginning of the tree of life in the ocean. Yeah. They're eating it. Can you imagine what it's like right here where we're standing at KUCI? We're surrounded we're by sur- plastic. We're we, probably, we don't know it, don't. but we're plastic. Literally within two or three feet of where Nathan is standing and where I'm sitting, there are thousands and thousands of pieces of CD plastic. cases. CD cases yeah. of plastic. Not to mention the plastic on our mix-down yeah, board and no. the plastic on our keyboard and yeah. the plastic faces on our CD players and yeah. the plastic frames on our video monitors and the plastic on our microphones. I'm sucking plastic right now as I'm speaking. <laughs> plastic does not decompose. No. Uh-uh. This is the other part of the equation yeah. that we, we see. We just should game. stop making plastic. We should really, really consider stop making plastic. A major contributor is plastic trash. More than 90% of plastic waste is not recycled, and as it slowly degrades, it breaks into smaller and smaller pieces. We've talked about this before, but here we go. Plastic fibers also break off in your clothes every time you wash them. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Rayon, Dacron. Yeah, microfiber. Yeah, micro. Well, they used to call it what? What was that? Yeah, I thought it was Polystyrene. What what was that? (laughs) Polyester. 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 Remember, she was a drag queen. (laughs) Can I say that anymore without offending someone? Uh, no, they're, I don't know. To well, call something else? You just else? did. <laughs> well, whatever, it's too late. In, we're, 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 <laughs> in alternate reality, royalty? Uh, yes. There's a lot of in industrial processes, too. It's just a byproduct of industrial processes, little plastic pieces. Even if we stop using plastic, it's unclear how long plastic would continue to circulate through our rivers and water systems, probably centuries, if not longer. Yes. Maybe forever. Yes. <sighs> Animals like you and me, and of course our, yeah, our good doggy, yeah, 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 Mahler, you too, you too. consume microplastics in our water and food, and we likely breathe in micro and nanoplastic from the air, little particles. Now, keep in mind, as we just solidified this information in your brain, it does not decompose. Yeah. I think you said that, Mike. I know. I'm saying. <laughs> so just imagine, you're eating, drinking, you know, inhaling, all yeah. this stuff. Yeah. It didn't go away. Yeah. Never. Yeah. Now we're getting no, I'm really concerned. Know, know. Yeah, it's okay, Mahler. You're going to die anyway. <laughs> <sighs> Uh, Microplastics can also attract and attach to heavy metals like mercury and other hazardous chemicals as well as toxic bacteria. Oh boy, that's not healthy. We (laughs) We should dramatically reduce our dependence on plastic. That's pretty much the deal right there. What is the alternative? First of all, we can stop buying things that are wrapped in plastic. Right, there are ways in which we can well, begin to come up with like bio mush that can substitute for plastic. Yes, I don't want to call it bioplastic, but they're starting to come up with things that are right. recyclable yeah. that can that do break down in the environment or not molded into the shapes that we need. It's expensive process right now, but right. hopefully, what's that called? Faith-based science. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California. Visit us at facebook.com slash KUCI 88.9 on our Tumblr blog at KUCIRadio.tumblr.com on Twitter at KUCI FM on Instagram at the same place, 
KUCI-FM. Stream us live on TuneIn or go to KUCI.org. This week, in a speech to the oil industry, Trump attacked wind energy. Again. Yeah. What an idiot. He is such I'm an sorry, idiot. I'm yeah. sorry, come on. It's so obvious that this is about making money. Yes. It has nothing to do with science. It has nothing to do with making a better world. It's just he wants to make more money and he wants his friends to make more money. He said, windmills that destroy everybody's property values kill all the birds. Well, they kill some birds, but, you know, it's just wrong. He just doesn't want windmills off the coast of his golf course in Scotland. Yeah. That's what bugs him. Trump also claimed that wind's intermittency is causing power outages. Wrong. Have you heard of storage batteries, Mr. President? Jesus. What a sad world. We the, have the, the head, the, the most powerful man in the world is a moron. And he's mentally ill. I think it's a. Co- I mean, I think there's a combination of That's things. That's a going. lethal combination. It is a lethal combination. Yeah. We have a man who is a pathological narcissist, <coughs> malignant, malignant narcissist with a pathological daddy issues, and also he's ignorant. Yeah, he seems to be bright enough about certain things to be able to keep this charade going. That's he's smart enough about that. And we we have a whole political party, the Republicans, yeah. who are putting up with him. Because they're making more money off yeah, of it. Yeah. That's it. Uh, his speech, however, Trump's speech, came just days after the Department of Energy's, that's his Department of Energy's, latest major analysis of wind technology trends, which praise wind energy as an increasingly competitive resource. Trump's own administration reported that new wind power capacity additions were robust, that's their word, mm-hmm. last year, totaling nearly 7,600 megawatts. Investment in new plants was $11 billion, and there's more power for the buck. In other words, when they invest in wind energy. Wind power prices are lower than ever. Wind now provides 6.5% of U.S. power, and it's over 30% of the power in Kansas, Iowa, and Oklahoma. But the Department of Energy did note that Trump's phase-out of federal tax credits for new projects is expected to slow the rate of projected growth starting in 2021. So we need somebody else in office to turn this around because what's wrong with wind energy? What is wrong with wind energy? I think one thing is it's something that if you and I wanted to, we could start our own little wind energy project. So it takes money away from the corporations that are already established, generating power the way they want to. A lot of this has to do with wind, solar, geothermal. It encroaches on the monopoly of fossil fuel. And I think that's a lot of this, too. It's in competition with those. And it's beginning to phase out fossil fuels in some parts of the world. And as well as in Oklahoma, Iowa, and Kansas. So these are things that matter to people who are making a lot of money off of fossil fuel. Yeah. And that's what Trump's about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Mahler. I agree. God. Oh, yeah. Yeah, a, yeah, yeah. In a week where Iowa's Republican Congressman Steve King questioned whether there'd be any humans on Earth if it wasn't for rape and incest. Wonder where his family came from. Oh, it explains a lot. In it? a week when Trump weakened the Endangered Species Act, making it harder to protect wildlife from climate change, 
In a week when Jeffrey Epstein, eccentric pedophile friend of billionaires, was strangled and or hanged. I just read a report this morning that said he had multiple broken bones in his neck. Yeah, that was yesterday's news. Oh, was it yesterday? Well, I was was up late last night. Newsflash. (laughs) Mike reads yesterday's news this morning. (laughs) (laughs) This week, it was discovered that the FBI ranks Black Lives Matter and animal rights activists as bigger threats than white supremacists and (laughs) Al-Qaeda. I I think they're trying to out-Trump Trump here. Leaked documents show that the FBI's counterterrorism priorities continue to focus on black identity extremists. Yeah. Well, after the FBI assured Democrats in Congress that it would stop using the term black identity extremists after a 2017 internal FBI report that included the phrase black identity extremists was published by Foreign Policy magazines. I'm trying to remember how many mass shootings Black Lives Matter have been involved with. Uh, The FBI not only used the term, but referred to black identity extremists as a priority domestic terrorism target. The documents did not mention any specific attacks, because there weren't any. There weren't any. Though it did list examples of high-profile white supremacist attacks. So they had the information, but they... Timothy McVeigh. Does anybody remember Timothy McVeigh, the bomber at the Oklahoma City Federal Building? How many of these? Recently. Well, recently. I'm just saying. But I mean, Walmart attacks. Yeah. They were ranked as a lower priority than, I guess, the Black Lives Matter protests. Again, anybody out there that can tell me an organized mass shooting by anyone that identifies themselves in the leadership? of Black Lives Matter, please. Betty White. You know? You know what I'm saying? Betty White. Yeah. When there's, uh, uh, you know, a terrorist attack? Yeah. All I need to say is Betty White. (laughs) This year, the FBI was supposed to replace the term black identity extremist with the term racially motivated extremism. According to previous guides, the FBI believes that the threat originated from the Black Lives Matter movement in response to the 2014 shooting of Michael Brown in Ferguson, Missouri. Exactly. Yes. That's what happened. That's what happened. (laughs) Yeah. The 2018 guide, the FBI guide, also revealed that the FBI intended to counter the threat of Black Lives Matter with a operation called Iron Fist. Isn't that cute? You know, if this didn't echo so much of the horrible history of the FBI, going back to the time when J. Edgar Hoover made a personal vendetta mission to destroy Martin Luther King, one of the great Americans, by manufacturing all kinds of evidence that he was involved with communist and with treasonous activity, when all he was trying to do was (laughs) nonviolently achieve equal rights for the African-American community. That was his terrorist mission. Yeah. And J. Edgar Hoover and the FBI went out of their way to not just destroy the life of Martin Luther King, but also hundreds of black activists in, the, yeah. in that era. Yeah. So this is, That's this right, is madness. I'm upset, too. Yeah. By the way, there was an FBI report that came out at the tail end of the Obama administration identifying white supremacists and white nationalists as a threat to the republic. Yeah. Essentially, they deep-sixed it. Yeah. And from that point forward, they were hindered in any attempts to investigate this issue. 
Did you ever hear of Turkmenistan, Mike? Uh, yes, I yeah. have. This is it, a story. It might be on the brink of collapse. This is one of those... Or maybe not. We don't know. We don't know. It's, it's on the Caspian Sea, north of Afghanistan right, and right Iran. Right. Yes, that's right. Uh, it has lots of natural gas, just like Mahler. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's the second largest gas reserve in the world. It's 80% desert, has a population of 5 million. Just for comparison, Orange County is about 3 million. About the size of Spain, yeah. land-wise. Yeah. Is, it's a big place. It's an authoritarian hermit nation. That's what they call it, a hermit nation. Like South Korea. Yeah. Strict media controls means that information just trickles out of the country. They don't like to tell people what they're up to. Human rights abuses are commonplace. Activists often disappear. Forced labor is a concern, according to Human Rights Watch. Only 6,000 people visited Turkmenistan in 2016. (laughs) I mean, I'm sure some of them, their plane got diverted. Yeah. That's probably how they got there, because this is not a place you want to really want to yeah. go. Yeah. That's, that's not many people. So I think 6,000 6, tourists. We probably uh, get KUCI. <laughs> I think KUCI gets their, those little tours. That yeah, yeah. We, we get close to 6,000 people a year <laughs> in here. Entry visas are notoriously hard to obtain. For years, Turkmenistan has been able to survive on its gas reserves, but with the collapse of gas prices, things are getting sketchy. A recent report by a British think tank, Foreign Policy Center, says Turkmenistan is on the brinks of collapse. There's not enough food in the state-run shops, so every morning people line up for hours to buy flour, bread, and sugar. Corruption is endemic, and economic life and family ties and political loyalty are the main factors in determining who gets contracts. They should just call it Trump-Menistan. In 2018, Transparency International ranked it, Trickmenistan, 161 out of 179 countries in its Corruption Perceptions Index. In this oppressive climate, dissent is not tolerated. There are curfews at night and restrictions around celebrations during Ramadan to prevent large gatherings. There's no independent media and most foreign websites are blocked. And even people who use satellite dishes are getting busted yeah. to, to pick up you know, frequencies, anything, for the outside a, anything world, yeah. from the outside mm-hmm, world. Yeah. On the upside, Russian Prime Minister Dmitry Medved met with Turkmenistan's president, Gurbagoli Berdimakamedov, just this week at the Caspian Economic Forum to sign an agreement that included construction of undersea pipelines from Turkmenistan to Europe. They worked that out. Gurbagoli Berdimakamedov, the president of Turkmenistan, he'd been missing for about two months. He usually came out every day and, you know, said something banal and then... He, he has a thing for horses. Well, yeah, he's a horser. <laughs> We're building this pipeline yeah. in the Caspian Sea. Great. To get money to Europe. Yeah. But that money will probably end up in Gerbengulli, Berta, Makamedovs, and then some Russian oligarch's pocket. Exactly. That's what's right. going to happen yeah. here. It's not going to help the country. No. So we're wondering, yeah. is it going to collapse? I don't know. You mentioned at the top of the story that it's strategically located. It oh, yeah. borders Iran and Afghanistan. So two of the more volatile countries in the world. It's technically an independent republic now, although yeah. in practice it, it's under the thumb of Moscow. This level of corruption wouldn't be allowed yeah. to happen if these guys weren't stooges for, for Putin. So. I guess what we're saying is keep your eye. 
Keep yeah. your eyes on Turkmenistan. And by the way, it's right next. It it doesn't quite border, but it's close to Kashmir. Ooh. I mean, literally, there's a sliver of land separating it by Uzbekistan. So this is a region of the world where <laughs> anything could happen. You think Just that's funny? Your, no. Do you think that's yeah, funny? Because there's a whole bunch. Yes. No. No, I don't think it's, it is not. <laughs> I guess funny. Molly does. I don't. Speaking of Russia, a nuclear explosion at the Nanoska weapons testing range killed at least seven people, including Russian senior scientists. It appears to have been caused by a testing failure with the Buravestnik, Thunderbird, or Stormy Petrol nuclear-powered cruise missile. Stormy Petrol. I remember her. She used to dance over there at yeah. Zuby's. Yeah, I remember yeah. Zuby's. Zuby's. Yeah. She was a dancer. Yeah. She was one of the go-go dancers at yeah. Zuby's. They had them up in that, you know, yeah. those little stands there. And yeah, With dead. radiation levels <laughs> spiking in the region, Russian officials initially ordered the evacuation of one village. Six days after the explosion, and then they canceled it. They finally figured, ah, yeah, what the hell? They're already yeah. cooked anyway. We can't do anything now. They closed part of the White Sea ah. to civilian ships. So now it's time to play a Russian muck up. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. Well, ready, Mahler? Yeah. All right. right yeah. This, first, secrecy. Yeah. Yes. That's the first well, thing. Well, first, first phase, yeah, secrecy. Yeah. Local and central authorities in Russia not only hide critical details from their citizens and the rest of the world, they actively lie about what's going on. Sounds like Trump. We're in the disinformation yeah. phase. Second, irresponsibility. Local administrators' incapacity to function autonomously is another century-old Russian characteristic yeah. uh, that continues under Putin's corrupt administration. And again, it sounds like Trump. Yes. Third, <laughs> oligarchical indifference. The Nanoska nuclear explosion, like so many other muck-ups in Russian history, shows the elite's callous disregard for the welfare, interest, and lives of other people. That's right. Hmm. That does sound like Trump as well. But go back to Chernobyl. This is very much the same pattern. The populace is not even told what happened, even though they see smoke coming out of the reactor <coughs> and they're asking about it. This is the most heinous thing about Chernobyl. Is, that is, within a few days after it, they had the May Day Parade. This yeah. happened in late April. And then they had the May Day Parade where thousands of people from the community marched around that area. So it's being exposed to nuclear waste. Fourth, Russian nuclear policy. Washington looked at the idea of nuclear-powered cruise missiles like this uh, stormy uh, petrol, Mm -hmm. but they decided against it because it's a cruise missile with a nuclear warhead (laughs) on it. It's flying close to the ground. What could go wrong? wrong? But somebody told Putin that it was a great idea, and he jumped on board, and now they've got their first nuclear accident with this the the advantage of these petrol. kinds of weapons is that they can fly up into the air and hover for weeks yeah. at a time before they eventually decide what to target yeah so that's a technological advantage of these but as you said yeah. you're, you're flying around with a nuclear reactor and of course moscow's paranoia yes and we got world war ii to blame for that so yes i'll give them that one Do you like a banana, Mike? Yeah, I love bananas. You do? Oh, yeah. You like? Big big fan of bananas. Big fan of bananas. Oh, yeah. And you eat the standard Cavendish banana, yes, right? Yes, I do. Well, maybe not for long. Yeah. 
The Cavendish banana is facing an existential crisis, a deadly fungus that has decimated banana plantations in Southeast Asia for 30 years finally came to the shores of Latin America, the heart of the global banana export market. Last week, the Colombian Agricultural Institute announced that it had confirmed that the fungus, a strain of Fusarium oxysporum called Tropical Race 4. <laughs> it yeah. sounds like a video game. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking... I think I'd like to play Tropical Trump, Race 4. Tropical Race 4. Yeah. Anyway, it's been found in plantations in the north of the country. The uh, country declared a national state of emergency. They destroyed crops and quarantined plantations in an attempt to avert the spread of the fungus. And they've been in this situation before. Until the 50s, the most commonly exported banana variety was the Gros Michel, which was also totally wiped out by a different strain of Fusarium fungus. The Cavendish was resistant to the Gros Michel strain. Now 99% of all exported bananas are Cavendish. And they're trying to uh, get a, uh, through the CRISPR gene editing. Okay. They're at work trying to come up with a new banana. And they're also trying to uh, create a uh, hybrid banana too. Oh. Well, but those take years. Right. And right now we're facing the prospect of no bananas That's or a, extremely expensive yeah, bananas. yes. And the problem here, the real problem is the monoculture. Exactly right. You got one kind of banana, and when that goes... This is a worldwide issue. One guy. This is a worldwide issue monoculture. of mon monoculture in our agriculture. Here in the United States, we've monocultured all kinds of stuff. Wheat and corn and... And finally, and finally, Lim Hyo Jun of South Korea... The world and Olympic champion of short track speed skating mm -hmm. was banned from the sport for a year after pulling down a teammate's pants. <laughs> you can subscribe to the Weekly Signals Weekly Review podcast at weeklysignals.com. Weeklysignals.com. Subscribe now.